0: So, welcome to the post-Thanksgiving edition of T-Pop the Pod. Uh, I'm Kevin Cray. I'm Steve DiMaselli. And, uh, hey Steve, we actually got stuff to talk about, like real big boy moves by the pirates.
1: Yeah, it's been kind of an exciting two weeks. It's... It's been so long for some of these things since the last time we recorded that it's getting sort of off the the front of mind, but we still wanted to comment on some of these things anyway because they are uh, important changes for the club.
0: Yeah. So um, before we jump into it, uh, let's go to the uh, extremely popular therapy session for uh, all Pirate fans. And that is Steve's safe space. And Steve, I believe it is uh, your turn on the couch this week.
1: I got a really quick one and it's sort of, uh, you know, it's inspired by one of yours from a few weeks ago. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe the fact that, you know, I'm talking in rebuttal to something that you had to say will actually, you know, cause you to give a damn about what I've got to say here, you know? So, um, but anyway, um, So uh, I I was thinking about the Rule 5 draft, and it really is absurd that you basically have to declare your rosters over a month before the actual draft takes place. I think the Rule 5 is going to be at the end of the winter meetings, which is at the end of the week of the winter meetings, which is the beginning of December, and you've got to Set your rosters, you're just gonna set your forty men by the end of October. So I, I just don't I just don't get it. I just don't understand. Like why does why can't you why can't you let these rosters be uh living things and and, and, and allow teams to make changes and, and, you know, sign a couple of people before you actually um you know, get to the point where you you've got to like finalize these rosters and who's available. Uh, it just seems absurd to me.
0: All right, I'm ready to hit record, Steve. Uh, ready, three, two, one. You ready to start? Are you good? Uh Wait.
1: Did you already start? Did you already start? The- so, so Kevin Newman trade.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, Yeah. you just want to jump right into that? Yeah, sure. Uh, Kevin Newman. So, uh, Kevin Newman is terrible. Uh, He was terrible. I guess he doesn't stop being terrible just because he's no longer a pirate. But, um, you know, you and I have both felt that there was just such a log jam at middle infield that there was just no space for him uh, because of all the other younger guys they want to kind of run through and who are frankly much better than him. So he to me seemed like he was going to be a non-tenure candidate right from Jump Street. But the Pirates actually convinced someone to take him and give something back. And even somewhat more surprising, they did it as a trade with a division rival in the Cincinnati
1: Reds. Yeah. They've gotten to see plenty of Kevin Newman over the years and, we're not scared off by that. I, I'm not as big of a Kevin Newman hater as you are, and I thought there was a decent chance that he would get tendered a contract, which ultimately he did, you know, even prior to the trade taking place. I, I'm thrilled with a, a Kevin Newman uh, trade, and I, I was hoping that this would be the end of of his tenure as a pirate or how his, ten, his pirate's tenure would end, but... Um, with two caveats, of course. First and foremost, I don't want to see them sign a hot mess of an in middle infielder to replace him. Um, I, Kevin Newman is no great shakes, but he is certainly better than the Josh Van Meters of the world. Uh, I don't want that kind of player to come in. It's just, they're a waste of at-bats at for young players. Um, he is surplus, Um That being said, I was hoping that they would get something a little bit more for him. It felt like uh, they required one of the dime a dozen sort of waiver wire pickup relief pitchers uh, for him.
0: Well, I I don't know if I've just talked myself into this just because I was so amazed that they got anything for him. But uh, I actually see a glimmer of hope with uh, Dowry Moretta who was the the player they got back for him. He's 26 going into his age 27 season. And he had one of the worst Mays I've ever seen a pitcher this side of Jason Nabergal have. Uh, He faced 20 batters in May, gave up uh, 10 earned runs, and that's just 20 batters. That's not 20 innings. Gave up five home runs to 20 batters. Uh, he ended up with a 33.75 ERA for the month of just May. So they Mercy killed him, sent him down to AAA. And then when he came back in June, he was actually pretty serviceable the the rest of the way out. Um, he had a really nice K rate going forward. And uh, he's the kind of guy that he's, he's your... He's not your seventh inning guy. He's he's your other guy uh, right now. But they actually got something that they could actually work with here. Um, and I'm willing to at least give Moretta the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and I'll even let him go through the end of May. Um, just as long as they can get him through that that dead period uh, of a month for him. And let's see what we got for him. So I'm pleasantly happy. Uh, is that the right word? I don't know. It's an non- un Unusual feeling for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I maybe I'm rushing to judgment a little bit. Um, maybe uh, he, there is a little bit more in the tank, and maybe he has figured some things out. If he has figured some things out, and the Pirates do get a serviceable relief pitcher for Kevin Newman, that they have, you know, what six full years of control with, uh, you know, that could potentially be a pretty amazing deal. So hearts were
0: uh making some moves out there these past couple weeks as we talked about um they tendered a whole bunch of players but they also already signed one of the players to a deal uh and that's miguel Andujar. steve do you want to discuss some of the particulars about this one
1: no because it's been so long and i've completely forgotten the particulars i i know that he uh you know, one year deal as they always are through arbitration and less than a million or $2 million a year, which is, uh, I think good. I mean, you know, we saw some, some glimmers of him, you know, taking steps forward down the stretch and he's doing pretty well in winter ball from, you know, everything that I've been reading up on. Uh, it's a good signing. Uh, they actually did tender. The pirates did tender every player that was eligible for arbitration this year. So, um you know so so that that whole bevy of players uh is they're they're all coming back um well uh, barring a trade uh between now and then but this is the first guy that actually settled prior to um I I think it's a fine deal you know like I I don't think he's a great player I think he's a a risky guy um in, in the sense that he hasn't really uh established himself yet but that being said, uh, I would love it if he actually establishes himself as a pirate.
0: I mean, you look back and that 2018 season is just such an outlier for him. Mm-hmm. you know if they can even get if they can even get half of that, I mean he went 27 home runs, 92 RBIs, a 129 weighted runs created uh, number with a 3.7 war. And then you look at the rest of his career since then, and he's at negative one point eight WAR in, from twenty nineteen yeah. to twenty twenty two. I mean, is it just what's the outlier here? I guess is my my question.
1: You know, hey, I mean, you got to go with the uh, the big sample size. <laughs> he's probably closer to the he's probably closer to the bad at this point. We've seen enough of that consistently that it it likely deems that that real solid year as as the uh the, the 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 that which never shall occur again um
0: is is he a
1: starter in the outfield i mean he's getting paid on a major league level he's getting paid like a backup um but as a <laughs> for a pirates i mean that equivalent i mean that's at one point, you know, you know one point something is, is the equivalent in the first year of arbitration of, like, what, a six-ish million-dollar player, so, I, I mean, that's that's obviously a starter for the Bucks, you know, so, um, I, I don't know, I mean, I've heard rumors that they're looking into other options in right field, I don't know what truth there is to it, or if it's just, like, Twitter scuttlebutt, but, um, I mean, right field seems to be the place that makes the most sense for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be a good enough bat to just hold down the DH slot. I mean, do you? Well, no, and that's, going to, that's kind of where we're,
0: we're leading into some of the other moves that have been made. Um, you know, When we were on last time, we were, were fresh off the G-Man Choi excitement that we had, but holy cow, look out. The Pirates actually got a guy you've heard of and a guy that uh, used to be good like, really good, in Carlos Santana.
1: Yeah, I like this signing. I do. Um, I, they've really been billing it as a signing as much for the intangibles of what this guy is going to bring off the field as it does for what he's going to bring on it. I, I think what they've done is taken a complete black hole on this team and signed two marginal guys for about, what? what's their salary combined? A shade over $10 million? Okay, so you get two guys that are serviceable against lefties and righties, and you put together a solid platoon. And I mean, I, I still don't think this is going to be a position of strength relative to the rest of the league. But to go from garbage to average, or maybe even slightly above average, if they are really strict about the platoon, I think that's a win for the Pirates. I, I don't know. I yes. They are, they are
0: actually spending money but it just feels like they're, it, it, they're spending money but they spend it on a 37-year-old who's been in sharp decline since 2019 uh, across the board for stats, both traditional and, you know, we'll call them advanced stats. It's a respectable position but it's still a third tier type of move. It's like Okay, now this isn't a 100 loss team, but now it's a 90 loss team. Uh, okay, but that's still not great. And it's still not an impact signing, in my opinion. Um, you know, we've been asking for that veteran, that, that red ass, that AJ Burnett type. And maybe this is that. Um, you know, Burnett was an older guy when he got here, also in decline when he got here. Uh, You know, everyone keeps crowing about how Santana was the person who was most affected by the shift. And now that the shift is being banned slash reduced, however you want to phrase it, he's looked at as being a a prime, prime candidate to benefit from that. But Father Time is still undefeated, and he's still 37 years old. And that's what I can't wrap my head around, is that this isn't the Carlos Santana, just because you've heard of him, and he used to be good 10 years ago. He's not even the same guy from 3 years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm not saying that. I mean he's that being said, he's still a serviceable guy especially against lefties. I mean again, we're talking about a, a an embarrassingly bad position. Negative 3 war is what the pirates got from uh from first base uh last year. I mean You know, again, do I think that this is going to be a move that you know they're they're going to be hanging you know you know banners or I guess pennants at at PNC Park? No, they definitely aren't just based on this alone. But I mean, if you can if you literally go from negative three war to to just positive two, if you can get one win out of both of these guys against their respective side of the plate. And I don't think that's an unreasonable ask at, at this point. I mean, you know, if, he, if Santana does benefit from from the shift being lifted, even with further decline this year, I still think he can probably hover around that one win uh, mark, plus the veteran leadership that he's going to provide in the club. Um, you know, I, I just think there's some intangibles there too. I, I mean, again, I don't think this is an impact signing. Do I think it makes the club better? Yeah, I definitely I definitely think it makes the, the club considerably better. Um, when you look at it in combination with the trade for Choi, I, I, independently, no, but I think the two moves combined, I think first base has gone from a black hole to at least a position that is passable. Better than passable. I mean, it's at least average. So, yes, you are correct. And... The other black hole, and it's
0: one that we've spent a considerable amount of time on this podcast talking about, is Catcher. And they still don't really have a guy. No. I believe that I have heard that uh, Ali Sanchez is on waivers. So, you know, we might be closer to speaking that Andy Rodriguez opening day starter uh, into truth.
1: Nobody's going to complain about that, though. That's correct.
0: Um, but there are there are options out there. There's always trades. There's mm-hmm. you know, bottom-of-the-barrel type free agents. So I'm just kind of curious. It, it feels like they are taking that mandate of we have to create a slightly more interesting product to at least entertain the masses. Um, they still aren't the splashy moves that you and I were kind of Pie in the sky daydreaming about your your Carlos Rodans your Herman Marquez yeah. trades. So I'm just really curious. Yeah, it just seems like they're going to take negative positions and make them passable, and I guess just hope for a
1: lot of internal improvement. Yeah, and and that's progress. You know, uh, if the internal improvement occurs, and you've got external improvements that take a hole to something that's passable. Um, and and really plugging it with guys from the outside for a position that they don't have anybody tailor-made for inside. Um, uh, You know, we we saw, um, uh, you know, uh, the Pirates uh, could have absolutely nothing at first base after the Rule Five draft, um, they left anybody that has the potential to possibly pay that position in the near future uh, oh, exposed. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think they, uh, you know, so so they have no chance for internal improvement there. They haven't chance for internal improvement elsewhere. Um, you know, just getting this back to to, to passable makes the it makes it so much easier for the internal improvement to actually take hold. But that being said, this is also a very short term situation. And those internal improvements might still take a couple of years to really get the fullest out of them. So there's going to need to be another stopgap that comes along at first base here soon enough.
0: Yeah. So pirates are still out there on the street making moves, chopping it up real nice and smooth. And one of the guys that has been talked about um, with, with some degree of, uh, I don't want to say certainty, but some degree of possibility is Kyle Gibson. And... This is, a, this is a guy that he had some burn as a, as a prospect when he was coming up as a prospect, but uh-huh. it's just really been very uninspiring. His stuff has never been uh, the kind of knockout stuff that you need as a starter. And to me, he's just a, an innings eater, just a, another veteran placeholder to t- maybe take a black hole and just make it passable. Um I think you and I both had some higher hopes uh, for what they might do to bring a starter in, um, but I didn't know if you just wanted to maybe talk about Kyle Gibson or not, or if you were just sort of wait and see on him or what your what your feelings on him.
1: No, I I agree with you that he's he's a straight innings eater. And, and he's definitely if, if they sign him, I think, you know, over the course of an entire season, he's clearly going to be the guy that pitches the most innings for them. And there's nothing that's that's valuable. Again, that that's that's helping you get through the uh, the day and, and and this last year of what I'm thinking is going to be the rebuild, Um, you know, how helps you get through there a little smoother. And if he's eating innings here in Pittsburgh, then he can eat somebody else's innings after the trade deadline, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, I don't agree with you necessarily. And I think we've talked a lot about this already. You know, the, the rotation's not really a black hole, so they actually have to do something of of quality to, uh, to, to, to actively improve it. Um, what this is likely going to do, this or any other relief pitcher that, or excuse me, starting pitcher that they sign, is likely going to push Luis Ortiz to AAA. Which, again, I've I've said this previously. I'm a okay with because he needs to work on that changeup anyway. Um, but I don't think that this necessarily. Um, uh, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a. It, it's not going to move. It's not going to move the needle nearly as much as the needle was moved at first base, in my opinion.
0: Right. Not necessarily black hole, but I think we, we both
1: agreed that they needed one. Yeah. Especially if Ortiz wasn't going to start in the majors, which is uh, very, very unlikely that you will. Right. To so buy time for Ortiz,
0: um, to a lesser extent, Mike Burroughs and, and obviously Quint Priester is, is, the one ah. that's kind of, kind of waiting on, um, you know, I, I feel fairly comfortable saying that it's Contreras, Keller, and maybe Oviedo at this point.
1: And in, in Brubaker, I think Baker's in the rotation.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'd i like to maybe think about keeping Baker as like a swing man. Uh, that's, that's when you know you're getting better. Yeah. But, you know, even if you say Baker you're still one short. And there are a couple other names out there. Right. Uh, Sean Manea, mm-hmm. and he's intriguing. He's really only had one truly good season. Um, he's always been had some issues with durability. Even in his good 3.2 war season of 2021, he only pitched 179 innings. That, that topped his previous high by 19 innings. So you're, you're not getting an innings eater per se. Uh-huh. but you're getting a guy that could come in and be an interesting number three or four. Uh, and then old friend Jose Quintana. Yep, There's talk of a potential reunion there. And I wouldn't actually even mind seeing them giving him the the Liriano treatment and bringing him back and signing him to a, a two, maybe even three-year deal.
1: He might give them a little bit more... F- Cred with the fans by signing him than signing a comparable player because people really, really did like him here, and I think that that would really if they're if if part of what they're trying to do with this move is to smooth things over if this off season is the off season of healing, um, then why not bring back a fan favorite for two years? Um, I do think it's going to take a, a couple of years to get Q signed, um, but that being said. I don't see why they wouldn't do it if both parties are interested. Yeah. So,
0: uh, any other... I think it's probably too early to be talking about relief pitchers.
1: No, they're not. They're that, That's not even on the, the, the lens at this point.
0: You know, every once in a while you'll see, like, the guys right around the winter meetings. You'll see the... Uh-huh. I don't even want to say the premier guys, but you'll start to see the, the guys who are more like the setup type guys that are starting to get signed. and I keep coming back to a guy you've mentioned a bunch, and that's Seth Lugo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I could see him being a guy that's going to want to sign fairly soon after the winter meetings.
1: I have also read something that he wants to try to bounce back into a rotation this year. I want to say that I saw that on MLB Trade Rumors at some point very early in free agency. Which I mean, honestly, hey, 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 man, we, we need a we need a starting pitcher here too for the time being. You know, you might not get to start the whole year, but you might get to start for some of it. So, what
0: what are your what are your uh, thoughts on what's going to go on with the winter meetings? Because the next time we record uh, is most likely going to be in the heart of the Winter Meetings. They, they start um, December 4th and run through the 7th. So that's Sunday through Wednesday. So we're probably going to be doing our, recording our next episode next Wednesday, and that'll be like kind of a Winter Meetings wrap-up. But I, I just kind of get the feeling the Pirates are up. like I said, they're out there making moves. Uh, I, I just have a feeling they're going to come out of the Winter Meetings with, with something. and sure seems like it's going to be a, a starting pitcher.
1: Yeah, I I think they'll definitely address starting pitcher by the time that everything's said and done with the winter meetings.
0: What else is in your preview pile for the the winter meetings? What do you think is going to
1: happen? I think we're going to be drafting seventh just to piss me off, um, solely to piss me off. No, I I don't think so. I think it's actually incredibly long odds that they'll be drafting seventh, which I believe is the worst that they can do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But... um, and fingers crossed that they're they're drafting in the top three where they belong, um, you know. Uh, you know, the, we'll at least know where they're going to be. I think they're going to lose a couple of pitchers or uh, players out of the Rule Five draft. Um, I, I just think there's there's a couple guys that are um, that are just going to be gone. I think uh, uh, certainly a, a relief pitcher, um, at least one relief pitcher. I think or you know, excuse me a relief pitcher will be gone. I think uh, there's a good chance that even though he's really young and hasn't spent much time at AAA, I think Malcolm Nunes could be gone as well too. Uh, Possibly Matt Gorski. Uh, Both of them were named in Baseball America's top 15 players available in the Rule 5 draft. So um, I look for that as a possibility, not even a possibility, a likelihood. Um, that we're going to lose a name that we're going to be really irritated about losing uh, in that draft.
0: Yeah, and you know my feelings on the Rule 5 draft, of course, uh-huh. so I'm I'm just hoping they don't take anybody. Uh, I just, God, I really hate the Rule 5 draft. It uh, just chaps my ass to no, no end. Um, So I, I guess I would say that they're going to maybe sign a pitcher, but, man, I'd love to see a trade. I really want to see a trade for a pitcher that's actually got a little sizzle behind them and not just Uh kind of like a, not, not just a stopgap type.
1: What do you think the chances are that they'll solve catcher by the end of next week?
0: I I guess I just don't even know what that looks like. Like Uh what what does that, what does that mean? Because in general catcher is not a great position. League-wise. Um, and the ones, you know, the good ones aren't going anywhere. There's not really a lot of difference makers, even in free agency. Sure. Uh, so it, it just feels like there's not a lot of, not a lot of potential for, for juice in that position. Um, so I'm not even sure what, what that would look like. Do you have a, like a, a feel for that?
1: I don't know who their starter is going to be a catcher. I, I I don't have any idea. Um, you know, there was there was talks of bringing, bringing Perez back. Um, I don't know if there's been any movement on that. I know he wants to come back. I don't think that there's mutual interest from the Pirates there or probably would have happened by now. I don't know who the starting catcher is going to be, the main everyday guy, but I do have a feeling that Jason DeLay is going to weasel his way back onto the 40-man roster and start the season as the backup. Um, I think he was a fine defensive guy. He got a little hot with the bat when he first came up, so there's uh, some potential there. I mean, he he was slightly better than replacement level, which I'll take right now until they can get the the guys that are going to, you know, lock the position down for hopefully the next, you know, six to eight years up to the majors. There,
0: There, there is one name, or at least one team, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and I can't remember if we discussed them or not, but there was like those rumblings that, you know, they actually have a stockpile of catchers. They have Alejandro Kirk. Mm-hmm. And they have some you know guys rising up the ranks very quickly. So I'm wondering if they'd be interested in parting with Danny Jansen. And he's a guy that I've always liked. Uh I, I, I don't want to always compare things to like the good old days of twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, but Danny Jansen could be uh this decade's Russell Martin.
1: Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll buy that. I mean, it's as good of an idea as, as any as, as I've heard, and I really haven't heard any good ideas, you know? You know, just looking over the, the list of guys that are that were actually good last
0: year, um, Jansen had a 2.6 war, mm-hmm. and, you know, you look at your guys that are locked in, and obviously Rio Miltio and Rushman and uh, Will Smith, uh, and, and players of that that ilk are not going anywhere. But Danny Jansen's sitting right there at number eleven for uh, catcher war last year, and he's a guy that I think can give you that glove and give you a little pop. Uh, had 15 home runs last year. He had a 140 weighted runs created above average. So um, you know he's a guy that I could see if they were to pair him up along with friend of the pod, Andy Rodriguez, uh, I would be very happy with that. and Maybe that's what solving the catcher position looks like. Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can, I can totally buy what you're selling there. Um, the, and the pirates were at a, um, you know, a, a very, very, um, you know, very mediocre 0.1 F4, you know, so barely above replacement level at catcher. Um, you go with a guy, if you bring in a guy that can do 2.6 plus pair him up with uh, a guy like delay, who can probably bring in, you know, you know, just on his defense alone can, can get you 0.4. 0.4. Um, you know, that goes from, you know, basically zero to three wins. And and, and now we're talking, I mean, we've got some, uh, you know, two positions that were really, really rough that now are, um, I, I, again, I'm not going to call first base an asset. But if you're getting three wins out of, uh, uh, of of the catcher position, you're doing better than just about everybody. That's for sure. So, um, no, I, I like the idea. I actually love the idea.
0: So, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. And it'll be exciting when we do our pod next week. Um but I guess this kind of all ties into what you wanted to talk about next on the rundown and what exactly is the pirates philosophy? And you know, you brought this up in the rundown and, and I'll be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean what, what is the yeah and what is the overarching marks of, of
1: the Ben Charrington philosophy? Yeah and and neither you know it's it's there's there's a there's there's nuggets there there's not big chunks of of philosophy that 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 I've seen um you know in doing some research for this uh and I do think that this is an interesting topic but I also think it's an interesting topic for our next show uh you got me again steve another
0: patented steve cliffhanger just like,
1: oh, you hey, by the way, right. Kevin, I'm moving to the West Coast. That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, I, I think we uh, we covered a lot of here. There's a lot that's happened since the last time we talked, um, you know, and, and I think we, we legitimately covered all the bases and sort of looked, I think, a little into the future as well, too.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Well, we will all be waiting with bated breath to see what comes out of the winter meetings, and. Uh, Next Wednesday, we'll have some more content to chop it up with. All right. That's it for us this week. Talk to you guys soon. Yep, that's it for us this week. Uh, I'm signing off. This is Kevin Craig.
1: And I'm Steve DiMasselli.
0: All right. Thank you.